0: Welcome in everyone to another episode of No Place Like Mahomes. I am Sean Deegan, and sometimes, folks, you gotta talk about things you don't want to talk about. You gotta eat vegetables that you'd rather feed to a rabbit. Sometimes you gotta go to work when you'd rather just quit. We gotta talk about something that we don't really want to talk about. So let's, let's go ahead and get into it. Rip this band-aid off. Let's introduce the guys. He's ready to talk about the Chiefs' main competition for a Super Bowl. The Jacksonville Jaguars. Jacob Allen is here. What's going on, dude?
1: You know what? Don't kid. We'll see. Jaguars' defense is for real. If Trevor Lawrence is mechanically fixed, there is nobody with a higher ceiling than him, other than Patrick Mahomes, of course. He wants
0: to know why Brandon Staley is trying to kill Justin Herbert. Sam Bleka is here. How's it going, man?
2: I feel similar to the uh, Watt brothers. Justin Herbert must be protected because apparently Ben Jefferson cares nothing for that man's life.
0: I am Sean Deegan, and I am here to tell you that the Pro Bowl is finally fixed. More on that here in a moment. For starters, though, let's do a quick look at the week that was and uh, what a week it was, because it was, you had some barn burners, but you had just some absolute turds uh, throughout this week. Gentlemen, what was the worst game you saw, or the game that you think would have been worse, the worst to watch? Um, once you saw the box score, um, Jacob will let you bat leadoff. What's your game that you think was the worst one to watch this week?
1: Not gonna go with a low-hanging fruit and be a negative Chiefs fan. Like the Chiefs were tough to watch, but the Denver Broncos won eleven to ten. I know I give the Broncos games up all. It's my answer a lot because it is relevant because it's a team locally and it's who I can go talk to friends about. But, man, it was tough to watch, the 11-10. to So tough to watch that I didn't even see when the Broncos got to 11, to 11 in the fourth quarter.
0: Sam, what about you? What's the game that you thought was the toughest to watch or the game when you saw the final score you went, oh, wow, I'm really glad I missed that one?
2: Yeah, I didn't watch any games besides the Chiefs game. It was very depressing to me, and I didn't feel like watching any more football after that. So, I, based off the scoreline, I would agree with Jacob. Um, that just seemed like it was just a arm burner of a game. I do have a question back to you guys before you give your answer here, Sean. Who was most relieved after this week, Mark Sanchez or Dan Orlovsky? <laughs> was the butt punt better than the butt fumble? Or is Jimmy Garoppolo running out the back of the end zone, relieving Orlovsky? I,
0: I got to feel like Orlovsky's is a, is a bigger weight off his shoulders just because the butt fumble you can kind of justify. Like, oh, that's, that's almost something you can see happening. And then the butt punt, you know, it's like, okay, I don't know how that hasn't happened more. But, like, running out the back of the end zone and just not having any awareness where you are, I feel like that was a, that was a big win for him. Twitter definitely agreed, too.
1: Sorry, I just watched the butt punt for the first time. I was <laughs> to watch, watch that because I, I saw the out of the back of the end zone and just literally laughed out loud when Jimmy Garoppolo just ran through the back of the end zone like it was no big deal. That one cracked, they both cracked me up, but yeah, I was shocked. I was like, I'm surprised with that gunner getting pushed, not the gunner, the per- personal protector. Can you push further back to the punter that it hasn't happened more often? I feel like I saw that happen playing football before though. Oh,
0: like somebody
1: else take this punt right up to the butt. We we played for Ottawa, Jacob, it's more than likely. <laughs> I, I, I've seen a negative punt. I've I've seen a punter kick it behind his own head. So you're probably not wrong. Negative twelve yards tell you right now the long snapper for the miami dolphins
0: is going to have a very different answer which was worse for for him out of that whole thing uh my violated yeah yeah if you watch the if you see the uh the still of it is some some amazing cameraman got a still shot of it it's it's rough i will say that the worst game for me. I almost went with the Broncos, but um, I didn't end up watching the whole thing. Um, so, out of the games that I watched, the Steelers and Browns uh, on Thursday night was, was a tough cookie to swallow. Thank God for Nick Chubb, because almost nothing else about that game was worth seeing. Amari Cooper is another one who was pretty good, but... Man, if Nick Chubb's not in that game, there's just nothing electric to watch. There's nothing fun to watch. It was it was a gross thing to to try and digest as I was watching it. Out of all of the tough games that have happened, there again, Jacob, you alluded to one of the, the the games that is relevant to the next question, which is which NFL coach through through again three games early early in the season. But through three games, which coach has the hottest seat right now? Who is in the most danger of not being retained uh, either at the end of this year or even making it through this year? Uh, We'll flip things around, and Sam, we will let you bat lead off. Who do you think has got the hottest seat out of the NFL head coaches right now?
2: glad you uh, specified head coaches because I had a very different answer if you just said coaches in general. I think just because because it's the Raiders and we know – I know it sounds weird, but we know how the Davis or the Davis family has operated in the past. I think Josh McDaniels is got to be feeling warm, like with after going out and getting Devontae Adams and and all of the hype surrounding that team going in. Like, I it would be a it should, still would be a shock, I think, but there's no way that the I'm pretty sure he had a, a long conversation with uh, Mark Davis and his weird haircut. It probably wasn't a fun one, I would imagine, because that man just is an awkward human being in general. And if he's upset with you, I can imagine it's just, just a weird situation to be in. I want to
0: know the uh, the other coach you had here. Well, I'm going to come back to you here in a second, Jacob. What about you? Who's the NFL head coach? You think's got the hottest seat right now?
1: Well, my Twitter prediction was that Nathaniel Hackett doesn't make it through the year again. But to not always answer Broncos. A guy we've already seen, Cliff Kingsbury, has got to be on the hot seat. The Cardinals are a hot mess. They are left problems left and right, different weird things coming out of there. Cliff Kingsbury already picked up this great narrative. if He starts hot and ends poorly. So people were already all over him about it. And, you know, before that, we even had the, is this guy even good or did Patrick Mahomes get him a job? So I th- I think it's got to be him. I know it's fun to go with the even brand new guys because there there's there's a good chance that two of, maybe even three of the coaches in the AFC West could have a case for, not making it.
0: Sam, before I give my answer, I am I'm just out of sheer curiosity. Who was the other coach that you had as a as an answer? Not NFL head coach, but just NFL coach. Eric Bieni. I knew it. I had a feeling
1: you yeah. wait the guy who has an in-house replacement that's obvious has a hot seat
2: you don't argue with a half a billion dollar quarterback on the sideline who has won a Super Bowl won an MVP not call plays well again don't want to dive too deep in this because we'll have a full segment to get into this crap show of an offense that we had that we saw this Sunday but what you doing man like the fact that LaShawn McCoy then quoted out that Eric or tweeted out that Eric B doesn't actually know how to coach. He just yells up, argues with players. Now I'm going back to that one conversation we had about Eric B and LaShawn McCoy. And I'm starting to think, you know, and maybe I'm being reactionary. But that at the end of the half, when you see Patrick Mahomes arguing with Eric B it's like something's not right
1: there. Well, here's what I want to know. This is what my true wondering was after all of this. We've all said like what's, you know, the timeline on the Eric Bienemy, what's the future outcome? And I and I asked you all, your true feelings towards Eric Bienemy can be figured out if you ask, Andy Reid retires today, would you hire Eric Bienemy as your head coach? If your answer is no, that tells me what you think about Eric Bienemy. If you say yes, you're somebody that has faith in him, and that's great. And I'm not saying which one you should or should not have. I'm saying my personal opinion is the answer is no. Yeah. But at the same time, my biggest wondering about all of this is what behind the scenes don't we know as far as the Matt Nagy thing? It's like, I wonder if the Chiefs said, hey, short
2: leash, we have a replacement for you. You yeah, no not want to tip too much, but I think that might have been the last game we see Eric Bianami be the full time head your offensive coordinator for because that was staggering. Well, and this is – you never root against
1: your own team, but you almost hope for a second poor offensive performance, so there has to be some answers instead of just, well, we were good enough, so let's just keep going with it. Cool well, so We've seen where that's gotten the Chiefs and all of us three now, I think I agree that a successful, happy ending to a season is at least a Super Bowl appearance. So there's high stakes, and it would be upsetting if Eric and me is one of the reasons that they don't go. Let's, let's just
0: stay with this. We're already here, so we're just going to flip things around on the rundown because I think this leads nicely in. And I'm just going to skip the last question, which was, and what are your thoughts on the new Pro Bowl? Who the hell
2: cares? Yeah. Who's your head coach, report, Sean? <laughs> you can not give it.
0: Oh, it's Hackett. No. Nathaniel Hackett's a complete dumpster fire, and he has turned a promising team into just a, a, a bunch of village idiots. Uh, hey, are you talking about the
1: first-place Denver Broncos? First I Denver am. Broncos.
0: At, that's that's what should hack you off more than anything if you're a chiefs fan is that that team is two and one the same as you you are
1: you talking about the team that played davis mills uh jimmy garoppolo and geno smith that one that's the one god they're awful
2: i mean the, the rest of the afc west did go up against the uh powerhouse that is the afc south and lose so yeah, <laughs> I don't know how much room we have to talk in general, but
0: not this week we don't. So let's stay with the offense because the first question on uh, of our, our rundown we were going to start positive. I was going to try to start positive and talk defense, but it, we're all obviously kind of simmering to get get to this one. And the first kind of question we had listed is. Is the performance of the offense and the special teams a fluke, or is this a sign of problems? And I think this connects nicely, Sam, to your, what you bring up about the enemy. There's an argument on the sideline where after the game, Mahomes says, I want to try and score. That's just how I'm always going to be. Like, I'm programmed that way, essentially, is what he's saying. They've all kind of since you know, brushed this off as no issue. Um, Jamal Charles, actually, on Twitter, just to present the other side of it, Came out and defended Eric Bieniemy on Twitter um, to kind of counter what Lashawn McCoy said, but this is something that that came up last year. This is this was a discussion that, while that article that came out I think was inflammatory, poorly sourced, and, and sensationalized, there were also talks about maybe there's some disgruntlement between the quarterback and Eric Bieniemy. So taking that as your kind of baseline and looking at the performance, is this a fluke or is this a sign of problems that need to be addressed? Um, Sam, since you kind of led us to this question, we'll let you badly off. What's your answer to the question?
2: Oh, it's, it's for sure a sign of problems. And it's something we've seen over and over again over the past several years, which is the idea that you can tell when it's Andy Reid calling the plays and when it's not. And this seemed like a game. It didn't look like Andy Reid was calling the plays or had his thumbprint on this game. It they, Now, I, I'm not going to blame it completely on Eric Bannemi's play call because the offensive line got smoked in several occasions, primarily one guy, which, again, we'll probably get to talk about. But – and that obviously ruins any game plan. If your offensive line isn't doing their job, the rest of it just kind of shuts down. But it just – there was – Again, it's and it's hard because I feel like it's such a broad statement to say this, but I think you guys will get where I'm coming from, where it just looks unoriginal. When we watch what we think is an Eric bien game, a game that he is calling the plays, it's just like, okay, that play didn't work, that play didn't work, that play didn't work. Nothing seems to be going the way it should. The bailouts from Travis Kelsey – We know that's going to work because that always works, but nothing. It it just doesn't look like a cohesive, smooth game that we typically expect to see from the Chiefs offense. And when you're losing or even tied with a team like the Colts, and and granted, all all credit to the Colts defense because I think they played very well. For what they had to go against. I mean, that's the thing. They can only play against what they're going the what team shows up on the field. But if you're tied or losing to a team that is the Colts, who, as we all wildly incorrectly predicted last week, we were going to blow the doors off of, you can't be conservative. I I I get, I know that sounds weird, but you need to just go out and be like, okay, let's bring it on. Let's let's turn it up and let's go. And it just never happened. It was just constant five-yard play. Doesn't work. Let's run. Doesn't work. N- nothing was working, and and that's there was no correction to that. Jacob, what about you? How, do
0: you think that this performance is hey, it's we went to Indy, and what and things that happened when we go to Indy happened, or do you look at this as hey, we've got some things that need to be addressed that this team's going to have a a real chance at the Super Bowl going forward?
1: What else do you have to give the Texans in a Orlando Brown Laramie Tunsil trade? <laughs> you you have to trade Orlando Brown if you do want to <laughs> add a piece because they have next to no cap to do any move, but that was very uninspiring. And on top of that, yeah, play call was weird. I put it in the way of they were still playing like they have Tyreek Hill, and you don't. I mean, I'd like to say, yeah, MVS or Justin Watson can run those Tyreek Hill routes, or I don't even want to say the guy that should be running those routes because he had one catch. The one that looks a little bit more like Tyreek Hill in the sense
2: that he's short. Are you Quick talking point? about the one that uh, muffed a punt and then mm-hmm. lost the other one and got down with the one? No, not him. The oh, other okay. guy that's been on the team for a couple years. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Gave us some popularity on I, I didn't know which of the guys that were completely disappointing so far in their career. <laughs> which, about? which
1: short, undersized <laughs> receiver.
2: Just a fish shot. <laughs> uh, You're muted, by the way, Sean, well, in case you funny, want to come back on.
1: <laughs> fun. Yeah, we might be here a while if we're going to be going through all the guys that disappointed. Funny, uh stay-at-home dad story, a stay-at-home dad that I know lives in the area who makes his money on sports betting, has been making a killing on McCole Hardman. He's a Bears fan, but he's been making a killing on McCole Hardman targets. He said it's like usually three and a half. He said every single time he's been winning because he gets, not targets, receptions. Three and a half receptions, and he's winning every single week because of McCole Hardman. So, McCole Hardman, we thank you. This one's for you. But yeah, I I've already said in my feelings. It's it's time for Eric Bieniemy to go. Matt Nagy's in house. I hope that's because it's a short lease situation and not just like, hey, Matt Nagy, come back and be the quarterbacks coach. There's no potential to move up because we're going to keep this guy forever. There's no way he agreed to that. It must there must be something weird of like, hey, if Eric Bieniemy doesn't get head coaching job this year, or he gets into it again. We're moving on. So this job. He is right there for you to get back to offensive coordinator, build up your credibility, and then go Josh McDaniels it and prove it all over again just how awesome you are.
0: So, I, two thoughts. One, I don't think Eric Bianami's calling plays, which I think almost makes this a more damning thing that I don't, nobody really knows what Bianami's duties fully entail. And if that guy is getting into a fight with your quarterback, that's a problem. I just don't know that Andy Reid is willing to give up that kind of control. I mean, you can see it in press conferences, how he answers questions. He refuses to give you anything that might reveal something. It's too much. He wants to have complete and utter control over every aspect of the football team. So, I, I still don't buy necessarily that Eric Enemy is calling plays, which I think actually makes it a more damning situation. How I view this is, and I felt like I got to play Mr. Moderate compared to what was going on on Twitter this week, but I've seen the extremes. It's either, hey, it's just one game, brush it off, no worries. Like I've seen that a lot, uh, even from people that I, I respect a lot, and I disagree with that. I've also seen the, hey, everything's bad, we got to do something before our quarterback demands a trade, and I disagree with that. I think there's something in the middle where this should be cause for concern, but not panic. Um, I thought a lot about how I wanted to describe kind of where I'm at, and the best I can come up with is I've had multiple dogs that have resource guarding issues. If you get to it early enough, it's not that hard to get out of them. It just takes time and and patience and a lot of work. It's just consistency. If you don't do enough, something that can be really small can turn into a really big issue. And I've had that happen with my first dog. I had people tell me, hey, it's no big deal. It'll be fine. Just keep working and it'll, it'll come together. And and it didn't. It didn't come together. I ended up having to put down that dog because he bit my wife and ended up in the ER because I I couldn't get to him. If you leave something that is seemingly mild unattended, for long enough it will become a problem and so that's kind of where I'm at with this I'm like I don't think it's a problem yet but nip it in the bud now because I don't want to see
1: this going forward Sean are you saying that Eric B enemy bit your wife <laughs> you should probably call the authorities for that <laughs> that would be that would be a story that I would
2: have already shared with somebody if not everybody so the only point i I disagree because i I do agree that andy reed likes to control the offense and i think when we watched the first two games that was an andy reed offense you could tell that was his it it looked i mean you did as you guys as you mentioned um it looked like we were going back to last year's playbook we didn't look that didn't look like what was happening the first two games it looked like brand new set of plays the reason I feel like this was a B enemy game was because Andy Reid looked at it and said, The Colts are terrible. There's no way you can lose this. Go call <laughs> the place. Ta-da! <laughs> and that I mean it, and it, 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 that sounds, the same thing. <laughs> that sounds ridiculous, but but at the end of the day, I think Andy Reid still wants this guy to get the chances to become a head coach. There's no way he doesn't. Like he, he I can't see Andy Reid not wanting to see one of his assistants succeed so he's got to give him those opportunities he's got to give him those opportunities but when you go into a game against the Colts where it should be again I, I hate to be the chief's elitist at this point but an, an ultimate blowout when our defense plays as well as they ultimately did and you can't like that that's where I feel like that's why that's why I personally thought this was an eric bnb game was because it was last year's playbook, as I think Jacob said, with it was going to Tyreek Hill. It Tyreek Hill's not there. It was running the ball a bunch of times against a defense that was very stout against the run for the most part. Like it didn't work that well. And it just was uncreative. So that that's the only point I disagree as far as not letting go is I think he let go he'll let go in certain games when he thinks it doesn't matter that much. And this one obviously was apparently a bigger problem than we thought it would be. Right.
0: I can see that. I, I can definitely see that being, being the thing. Out of this performance, what concerns you the most? Cause I, we've all agreed that there, there is cause for concern. There are, there are things that need to be addressed. What concerns you the most here? What do you think is needs to be priority number one for the coaching staff and, and the players to get fixed? Jacob will let you bat lead off this time.
1: What's your number one on the list of things to take care of for the Chiefs? Play calling, and to keep going with what you guys are saying, Sean, with your idea, and you kind of already shared your sentiment in a different way, in the same way, in the sense of this: it's like if Andy Reid's calling all the play plays because he doesn't trust Eric enemy, then that's also a problem because you should have somebody offensive coordinator that you trust, and then maybe it. Andy Reid has bitten off more than he can chew, which is also not good. You want to be able to delegate some of your work out and be like, I trust you to do part of this job so I can be, you know, crisper at all the things I need to do too. But it's got to be play calling followed closely by left tackle play. You can't have two iffy tackles. Andrew Wiley outplayed Orlando Brown, and Andrew Wiley's on a veteran minimum. You can't have two iffy tackles. You can have one iffy tackle. You can work around that, but two iffy tackles is too much. Same what about you. What
0: concerns
2: you the most? What do you think the Chiefs need to address first? It's the oddity that it seemed like we reverted back to trying to play. It, it's like we went back to the beginning of last year as a team, but Tyreek Hill wasn't there because Orlando Brown was terrible. It looked like his pass blocking like went back 10 steps compared to what he was the past two weeks. Now, again, their defensive line is very good. Like you can't take anything away from that defensive line because it's 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 good. But we went up against good defensive line last week, and we essentially, I essentially praised Orlando Brown for doing a very good job. And it just is like a step backwards. And I don't know. I, I honestly think that could have been. There were some plays like him falling flat on his back for no apparent reason like that is not excusable, but, but there is a lot of that, that could have, that can be explained with play call. Like it looked like he wasn't designing, they weren't designing the long step back or setbacks for him, which is what he's been getting better at, which is his sets. He was trying to real quick sets, which he gets beat off the line on. So I think there is even Orlando Brown's play could be somewhat explained by play calling. And I think that's a very feasible possibility, but I, I mean, I, I, can't go any further than what Jacob said. It's it's offensive line, specific, or left tackle, and general play calling, figuring out whatever the, that game was. I think for me, it, it, mine's maybe a little more broad than
0: play, play calling, but just figure out your identity. I think that was the thing that was so impressive and what I think shifted expectations for a lot of Chiefs fans was the Arizona game, they had these long, extended drives, throughout the game. Some of them were, you know, like five plays, 80 yards, and all of a sudden they're in the end zone. But there were times that they really churned out some extended drives where they were methodical. They moved the ball down the field. There weren't that many deep shots. You know, coming into this game, Mahomes had thrown touchdowns to six different receivers, and none of them were like, I think it was Juju Smith-Schuster didn't get one yet. I don't think was it Scantling was one who didn't have one yet. There were like some prominent names on the list where it was like, how does that person not have a touchdown yet? And he is just he did a terrific job of spreading the ball around. You complemented that with an effective running game, not one that you relied on, but one that was able to eat up chunk yardage, especially when the game was, you know, in hand and you just needed to wrap it up and burn clock. There was a lot going on that was to be to to be really excited about. And I think it maybe accelerated a lot of expectations of Chiefs fans. I know for me in particular, where you might have thought there might be some time gel because you're working with an entirely new receiving core, essentially, minus Kelsey and Hardman. And yet we've reverted back to what we saw, where I agree with you guys. There were times where they were trying to play the Tyree kill game. And Holmes is looking downfield constantly, and he misses guys underneath. There's a play in particular that I don't know who originally tweeted it, but I think Seth Kaiser retweeted it. I know the guys from one of the guys from KCSN. I think Maddie Lane retweeted it. And it's this route combination where Kelsey kind of runs an over route that draws a defender up towards him, and it allows a free release for Clyde Edwards-Alaire on just a little swing route that should pick you up you know, five to eight yards. And Mahomes just doesn't look at him. He doesn't look at him. He's looking downfield. He's trying to hit that kill shot. And I'm sure part of that is by design. And I don't think it's just him, although I'm sure part of it is him because he's – just kind of wired that way. But I think finding your identity and knowing what kind of team you are and accepting what kind of team you are it is going to be key into then, okay, so how do we game plan with this version of the Kansas City Chiefs? We'll we'll address one more thing here on the offense slash special teams discussion. We have to talk about special teams a little bit. It's one of those things that you never really want to talk about because usually it's because everything went horribly wrong but we had one week where we got to talk about how great special teams was because Justin Reed came in did some amazing things but kicked a basically a one-legged field goal on a hop you know we got to talk about how great they were this week woof it was rough so what needs to change is it is it as simple as change the returners is it is it something on a bigger scale, like maybe we need to get new blood into the the special teams coaching room. What do you guys think needs to be altered going into Week Four? Um, Sam, will let you bat lead off this time.
2: Firstly, Harrison Butker needs to come back. You can't expect a whole lot. The guy, there's a reason the guy was a journeyman kicker, and uh, we were able to sign him because if you're a good kicker, you are on an NFL roster. But still, man, I, I. Again, I will never be half as talented as even the guy that got invited to a training camp as a kicker. But if your job is to kick footballs in the NFL, kick footballs in the NFL and do the job. I understand it's a a hard thing to do, but that's all you do. You're not doing anything other than kicking footballs. So kick footballs. So maybe get a punt or a kicker that can do that. Uh, yeah, returner wise, I don't know what it was weird. I Skymore; those first two punts were bad. Like, I, I it's hard to tell if that was Lucas Oil Stadium, if if because it's a weird stadium to start with. We're not going to say it's not. So that that very well could have been a thing. Uh, but would, I think, you
1: to, would you care to elaborate on how weird of a stadium Lucas Oil Stadium is?
2: It's just, I mean, the open, open, half-open dome. Yes. you've got windows on both sides yes giant windows on both sides like it's just a strange i can imagine trying to field a punt because it was i again i couldn't get a great look at what it was but it looked like it was not fully sunny potentially an overcast day mm-hmm. like maybe some clouds that i that so but at the end of the day i think it was it was jim nance i said or it, one of the two jim nance or tony romo said the sun's there it's always going to be there or something to that effect and that's true it's you can't i mean it's hard to blame that um i'll, I'll chalk it up to rookie rookie errors yes had a great shot of what they were looking into too sam yeah. saying, like I'll, I'll chalk i'll chalk him up the the first two even though kind of give him crap for it, as, as rookie n- not playing in that type of environment for not playing on that before um just because it's i imagine it was a fielding error um not not judging the ball correctly which was obvious because he was about three yards short of where the ball was actually coming down both times. But I, it's I, – I'm actually not going to react. It was bad performance special teams-wise. The kicker is obviously one thing in itself that we are just waiting for Harrison Butker. For the rest of it, I'm going to – I will wait much more patiently with that than I will the offense because I think it is – maybe I'm being – too nice on special teams but it it just seemed like it it was just a bad day in that sense where it happens where we've seen that kind of bad day on offense before like we rarely see bad days on special teams that's what i'll say is dave tobe has that team those teams usually buttoned up and they're very rarely like we we have our problems with the different punt returners we've had about running backwards and doing things like that but usually it's a very buttoned up buttoned up set or part of the part of the game But on the offense, this is not the first time we've seen that. And I think that's why my reaction is so strong as the offense and why I'm a little bit more, yeah, it sucked. We need to see a better performance. But I'm not going to jump to any conclusions on this um, with Sky Moore or Isaiah Pacheco as my returners. To help you out, Sam, make you feel a little bit better, the Chiefs did cut.
0: uh, We're recording this Tuesday, as you all probably know, uh, September 27th. So today they did announce the Chiefs uh, terminated the contract of Matt Amendola. Um, This is off of Arrowhead Addicts by Matt Connor. Um, They did sign Matthew Wright as his replacement uh, to be the team's temporary kicker. It it looks like he's kind of been off and on, but has a good track record of kicking. He hasn't been able to stick, but he has made 25 of 28 career field goals and 13 of 15 extra points in parts of two seasons. So it looks like even if... Butker can't go. They have, a hopefully, a better person in-house. Uh, Matt Verdram did tweet out earlier today. Uh, Matt Verdram, a fan-sided, and Arrowhead Addict as well, that the Chiefs are hopeful. Harrison uh, Chiefs are hopeful. Kicker Harrison Butker can play this week against the Bucks. So we'll see what happens there. I, I am good leaving things as is for one more week. Um, I want things to be as is for one more week. And then we'll see after that. It might have just been a case of the rookies getting the yips and trying to do too much, so I'm willing to let it ride for one week. But if this continues, I want to see some new names back there. Jacob, what about you? Anything that you would want to change on the special team side of things?
1: Cut Amendola. Done. Perfect. That was the most obvious move coming. I was not surprised at all when they did that. It had to happen and then honestly i've seen enough of pacheco at at kick returner sorry that i don't think he has it it just doesn't have the speed for it it reminds me of dexter mccluster just running in place it's like yeah you are moving fast but you're getting nowhere even the cbs broadcast i keep crediting cbs was making fun of isaiah pacheco on that return saying maybe his steps are just a little too hard, and that's why he didn't get very far. Tony Romo was joking about it. I was like, he's making fun of this guy in his own Tony Romo way. All right. We we choked that down. We, We got through it.
0: It wasn't all bad, though. There were some really cool things that happened. They just happened to be on the other side of the ball between the Chiefs and the Colts. Let's... Flip this coin, go to the other side of the ball, and where the Chiefs played really well. You know, when you look at the final, twenty to seventeen Colts over Chiefs, that last touchdown might have. You can chalk it up to a lot of things that we'll get into here in a minute, but a really what I thought was a stellar performance from the defense overall. This really felt like a wasted opportunity because the defense played as well as I think you could have hoped for them to play. So first thing here, what did you guys think of the defensive play in a scheme that was employed?
2: Um, Sam, we'll start with you. No, I, this was a defense, defensive performance that I don't know if you could have asked for a lot more other than maybe Chris Jones not talking to Matt Ryan. Like, I thought it was kind of what we talked about. Like, I, I thought Matt Ryan played a lot better than what I expected. Again, I had not watched him at all this year. So, I was kind of expecting to see kind of what we saw to Phillip Rivers. Just a shell of a quarterback back there. But he, he looked, I mean, still obviously Matt Ryan, old old Matt Ryan. But he's still able to deliver good balls. He just can't move. Um, so, he, he surprised me more than anything, to be completely honest. But I was like, yeah, Matt Ryan can still throw the ball pretty well as, as a 37 year old quarterback. But what we expected was they were going to do a heavy dose of run. And I thought we did a pretty good job of bottling up. Generally one of the better one, two combos in the league at this point with obviously one of the best running backs in the league with uh, Jonathan Taylor and then Hines being kind of a spillback. And I thought he did, he's a very good back as well. Uh, Blitz, Blitz packages were exactly what we love to see. I mean, Spags had the blitz packages tuned up perfect this week. Exactly what you need for a quarterback that's not very mobile. Legereus Sneed doing exactly what we came to love about him as far as a blitzing cornerback. Still think he should be be playing safety, but we that's down the road still from this point, I guess. Um, but no, I, I didn't have – I mean, you definitely saw – you could tell the the – Willie Gay not being there is is gonna hurt. Uh, there's no doubt that the drop off from Willie Gay to any of the next guys is is significant. And it was very evident that they were getting lost in coverage a lot of times, things that Willie Gay has done a lot better at and his athleticism covers up for a lot, even if he does mess up. But I, I didn't have a whole lot bad to say about the, the defensive performance. I, I mean, I think Carlos Dunlap came out and started to show more of his pass rush ability. Um, So that was obviously an incredible thing to see is that we have a pass rusher on the defense again. I don't really have a whole lot in general to go into specifics about, I guess. It's just, I thought it was a, as far as play calling wise, I thought Spags drew this game up perfectly for what you needed to do in this game. Jacob, how about you? What did you think of the defense's
0: performance and what Spags was able to draw up here against the Colts?
2: I think they are
1: one elite pass rusher from being a very good defense. So I'm very excited for them and their future. I think they're a very, very good defense. I Again, I think what excites me is, man, if they could get one elite pass rusher this next offseason, whether it's draft or free agency, they could, they could be a very bright spot team because I like what I see from the young secondary guys, like you guys have already said. Now, of course, you're going to have to re-sign Juan Thornhill and – I mean, one Thornhill had pretty high sets for himself on wanting to be all pro. That's not gonna be a cheap contract, but you're not you don't have that much money committed to that side of the ball yet. So you could make it happen to go make some moves still. So we'll see. But like I said, if to me it was all encouraging. So all that
0: being said, I wanted to run this by you and just get kind of a pulse check on how good you think this defense actually is versus how good you think it can be. Right now, the Chiefs rank seventeenth in points allowed in the NFL right now. They are 10th in yards allowed. So they're actually ranked better in yards than they are in points, which is kind of a flip from what we are used to having with the Chiefs um, in previous years under Spagnola, where they tend to be kind of middle of the pack or towards the bottom of the pack in yards, but have always, for the most part, been at least decent to good in points allowed. How accurate of a reflection do you think those ranks are and the stats that kind of show what the defense has done to this point. How accurate of a reflection do you think that is of this Chiefs team? Do you think they're better, worse? And how much better do you think they can get if that is a, an accurate reflection? Um, Jacob, we'll let you go first this time.
1: Yeah, again, I, I don't think it's too crazy. That's about what I figured they'd probably be at. Again, special teams gave up seven points this week. That's that's what I see them being one step away from, is just some sort of speed rusher that can consistently get there. Hopefully, Carl's Dunlap's play keeps going well. Hopefully, Frank Clark can put together some plays. There's some bright spots. There's some old Frank Clark there, but this week was at least a little more encouraging to see a little bit of his toughness back in the run game and things. But then again, at the same time, there was some just – completely disappear moments as well but i think it i think that doesn't surprise me at all to hear that that's where they're at i don't think they're i guess i don't think i think they're a very good one and i think they have the potential to be elite but with another offseason sam what about you do you think the the stats are
0: are what the chiefs are defensively do you think the chiefs are better or worse than what's shown on the stat sheet
2: where are you at with this defense if I were to look eye test wise, what I've seen the first three weeks, I, I would say we are slightly better than where we're ranking, because points. Jacob's right. You got a special teams giving up a touchdown this week. You had the pretty much just garbage touchdowns you saw in the Arizona game for the second half. Basically, anything they scored after the second half was you could just be like, okay, that's what it is, but. I just feel Jacob is right. Like we, like I said, I thought we saw some, some of Carlos Dunlap coming in, um, playing a little bit more of the the pass rush specialists and doing it very well this week. But uh, as I echoed last week, we are kind of, I thought the same way as Jacob said, we're kind of one pass rusher away, one elite pass rusher. But I, I think we're slightly better than that. Now that's with Willie Gay. Without Willie Gay, we're probably about right where they have us where, where we're ranked because I think he does have a massive, massive impact on how this defense runs. So with them, I think we are slightly better than that. I think we'll be top third of the NFL, whereas without him have middle, maybe even low, low bottom of the mid middle pack.
0: I think they're better than what the points allowed to show. Just because like you said, the special teams muffs a punt that, ends up on the three, touchdown goes in pretty easy. I think they're probably right where I thought they'd be in terms of yards allowed. I think that this last week helped a lot with that. I I would throw in that with adding Willie Gay back and then also Trent McDuffie, who we think is going to be very good, who played very well in the preseason and then was playing very well in the Cardinals game before he got hurt, I, I think this team could be top ten in both categories. Uh, potentially top eight if it all comes together that to me that to me is a defense that can overcome an awful lot if if the offense has moments where they sputter because they were still in a position to win this game and like you said the the chris jones moment which you know he shouldn't have been talking it sucks but also how many things do other players get away with on the field to to not get that flag so I'm willing to kind of chalk that up as an anomaly. They were still going. they were going to win that game before the flag went up. I, I'm fully confident that was going to happen. So I think they might actually be a little bit better in terms of the points allowed on the stat sheet. I think that the chance for significant improvement is still out there with Willie Gay Jr. coming back. And then if Trent McDuffie can come back fully healthy once he recovers from his hamstring, I think you could be looking at, not just a very good defense, but a special defense for this year. All right, we got through it. Let's look ahead and get to be hopeful and excited again for a Sunday night matchup with Chiefs football, which is already looking like it's going to be a weird game uh, just due to the the weather concerns. There's a potential hurricane threat uh, to the Florida area, and so the, uh, the Tampa Bay Bucks are already actually out and practicing in a different Uh, different facility and I'm blanking completely and I didn't write it down on where they are but the Chiefs and Buccaneers could potentially be playing in Minnesota this coming Sunday night because the Vikings are going to be playing overseas and so their stadium will be vacant and the Chiefs and Buccaneers will have a place much closer to home for Kansas City which I think would favor them in a big way if they get to go play in Minnesota so I think that's a big win if it does come to that for the Chiefs. How do you guys feel about it? Does it make you feel better or worse for the Chiefs' chances against the Bucs if they get to play in Minnesota? Uh, How do you guys feel about it? Um,
1: Jacob, we'll start with you. Oh, no. The Bucs lose a home game. I feel so bad for them after they got to play a home game in for a Super Bowl. (laughs) So nothing on the Chiefs? How it makes you feel at all? Nothing. It makes me happy for Seth Kaiser that he doesn't have to drive as far.
2: Sam, <laughs> so what about you? It definitely helps. It's still in a way, like it's still a road game for us, but it's not a home game for them. So, I mean, it's it's a win. Not like earth changing, but it, it definitely helps not having to play at the opposing stadium. So one tactical question I wanted to address, and then we'll get our
0: bold and final score predictions here to wrap things up tonight. Mentioned it, we talked about Orlando Brown Jr. not playing very well. I I would also add that no one on the offensive line played well against the Colts. I thought it was a, a pretty poor day for what we're used to seeing from them overall. So how do you go about protecting Mahomes? Because this defense for the Buccaneers. Is, is scary. They're, they're a legitimate elite defense. Um, actually, let me pull up where they rank because I had that pulled here. Yeah, the Buccaneers are the number one defense in points allowed for the season. So they're pretty good at all things defense. They're also number four in yards given up. So you're talking about the elite of the elite. And their front four is no joke. How do you protect Patrick Mahomes? How do you move this ball against this defense? Sam, we'll start with you. Do what you did against the Chargers?
2: Because I feel at this point, we've gotten to a point where I feel like you can go into 70% of the games and say just exactly what you just said. Now, obviously, not everyone can be the number one defense. But what did we say going into the Chargers game? Defense, no joke. We admittedly looked much farther past the Colts and we didn't even really discuss anything good about their team besides Jonathan Taylor. Like we crow for that today, but we, if we would have gone into it, we probably could have said this defensive line is ridiculously good. I think this comes down to, I hate (laughs) just being a broken record, but play calling you can design around that. And that's what we saw. Again, whether it be play, because I feel like there's no way with Orlando Brown. Now, again, he he didn't play well regardless. Like We saw a lot of plays, again, will not forever forget him just falling flat on his back and just laying there while the guy ran over top of him. Still don't know exactly what happened there. But you can't have that steep of a drop-off where you go from going against one of the Boses and Khalil Mack to just looking like you're don't deserve to be in the NFL. There's something else with that than just play, like quality of play. That has to be play calling. So you can you can scheme around these guys and, and I think it all comes down to the quality of play style. You can't do the big big shots downfield anymore. That doesn't work for us. It's not it showed like when we when we were against the Cardinals, when we were against the Chargers, what was working was shorter drops. Allowing it what we saw Orlando Brown, because he gave up a couple a couple quarterback hits where he was doing what I think he's been doing in other games, which is he's kind of ushering guys out and around. And unfortunately, because Thune and and Creed Humphrey got beat, or not Creed Humphrey, but Trey Smith got beat several times, that didn't work because Patrick Mahomes had to retreat backwards. So there is a problem there. But he I even saw like there was a couple of times Patrick Mahomes got hit by Orlando or whoever was going to, get to Orlando Brown, or he did what he was supposed to do, I think, which is escort them around the outside. Just didn't work that time. So I think it has to come down to play calling, which is get the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hands in an appropriate amount of time. I'm not saying quick, short, dump-off passes. I'm saying we're not loading up and trying to throw the ball 70 yards down the field anymore. Jacob, how about you? How do you protect Mahomes?
0: How
1: do you move the ball against an elite defense from the Bucs? How much do you have to give up in a Laramie Tunsil, Orlando Brown swap? I think you're right. I think you got to go back to the principles that they preached of short passing, running game. It's what's going to work. You don't have Tyreek Hill anymore. You can't run to bomb from NFL Blitz, like I always say, when you don't have the right personnel, when you're not playing with the Tennessee Titans or the St. Louis Rams in those games. Back when those were the two teams, or or the Vikings with Dante Culpepper, Randy Moss, Chris Carter, or like I said, the Titans with Air McNair and Kevin Dyson and Yancey Thippen. and you you everyone here knows what I'm talking about, of course.
0: I I will go back a week further, Sam. I'll say do do a game plan that is similar to what you did against the Cardinals, because I think again that one was less about trying to be the old Chiefs, and it looked like they had kind of figured some things out for the new talent that they had. I would like to see an offensive game plan that was based around that. A lot of intermediate routes, find the running back out of the backfield, really exploit the middle of the field against the Buccaneers. Buccaneers are no joke. It's going to be a tough game. It'll, it'll probably be a nail-biter. It's Like you said, it's already going to be a weird game. The Chiefs can't help themselves They have to play weird games. I think you got to go back to week one. I don't even go back past the Chargers. Because I think that game plan was built around what the Chiefs, I think, should try to be this year. And the offense for the Buccaneers, who knows who's even going to be on the field. Russell Gage set a career high for receptions with 12 this past week. Because there was nobody else healthy on that team. Cole Beasley was active for the Buccaneers uh, just coming off the practice squad from being signed earlier in the week because they have nobody healthy. I was going to say it's a surprise to me that Cole Beasley is a Buccaneer. So I think defensively, if they continue to play this way, it's going to come down to can the offense execute? Can they punch it in? And when they get into scoring position, don't blow it. Don't try to run fakes hit the kicks you're supposed to kick, and go from there. All right, let's wrap things up. Bold and final score predictions. Jacob, we will let you go first. This past week, your final score prediction was 31-20 to in Chiefs. That did not happen. However, your bold prediction was hold uh, Justin Timberlake. Jesus Christ, it says JT on the sheet. (laughs) Oh, Lord. Jonathan Taylor to less than 100 yards rushing, which did happen. Uh, against the uh, for the Indianapolis Colts, so bravo to you! A bold prediction indeed did come true. What do you got for us this week against the Bucks?
1: Uh, real quick, I got a question for Sam since he'll be the impartial third party here. Who would have more rushing yards in the game, Sean
2: Deegan or Justin Timberlake? Pretty similar builds. Sorry, Sean, you know, but I think uh, Justin Timberlake's got the moves. Yeah, he'd be able to put the shake on some guys. Yeah. He's got the moves like dagger. Way to You're go, frail. Fair. You're, you're uh Justin you're Timberlake. I hear because of the time because of sleep apnea.
1: Oh, I sure you might like in the game might go
2: crazy. like it, it'd be close, but I think I think gotta give it to JT he's gonna he's he's gonna outdo a job. <laughs> it would not uh,
1: J- J- Sam, wait one second. Uh Justin Timberlake actually is taller than I realized, but he's six foot one. 168 pounds. Ooh. And for some reason, there's body measurements. He has a chest that is 40 inches.
2: Oh. Like, don't get me wrong. If, if he gets hit, he's going to crumble just like Sean. But I think he's going to be able to avoid just a few more hits than Sean will. Like Ooh. Sean will try to put a move on and his hamstring will go.
1: That I was going to ask Sean, you know what, we need your insight here. We, we know your measurables, but the real number we need to know is how old are you really? Oh, really? I'm, like, 66. (laughs) Like, on my
0: birth certificate, it says 32. Well, it would be 32 as of right now, but we all know
1: that's a lie. (laughs) Uh, Sorry, anyway, I was supposed to answer real football questions. Although, you know, boy bands and who would be the best player is an interesting question. Obviously, Jilly Fatone's got the size for NSYNC. But I do think they put up some points this week. I do think they win. I think the Bucks are a little bit of a mess right now. Let's go with 35. Oh my god. 26. Weird score. 20, 20, 20. Uh, and I, in in fairness, I was the only one to mention I I think the Chiefs might come out flat last week and then predicted 31 points. <laughs> <laughs> We were not, so not thinking about that they didn't have a kicker. Not thinking about that. 31 points is still a lot of points. What's your bold prediction? Right, bold prediction uh, my bold prediction is that uh, uh, I'm feeling real bold right now. You can tell. Let's go with that Sky Moore has... Three catches in the game because that would be kind of bold at this point since I'm not sure he has had more than three snaps in a game. I would that actually sadly
0: is a bold prediction, so uh, we'll take it 35 against the number one scoring defense in the NFL. That'll be uh oh, I thought you said they were the worst scoring defense in the NFL. No, they're the number one scoring defense in the NFL, the number one in points allowed and fourth in yards allowed. They're kind of good. Well, you know what? I'm still going with it 35. (laughs)
2: Sam, what about you? Final score, bold prediction. Where are we at? So, one thing you haven't, their, their defense is good. At least the stats say that. Um, they have, they held the Saints to 10. Okay. Yep. Jameis Winston, still not knowing who the head coach is. Got yeah, Aaron Rodgers, may still be coming down off Iowa. Who knows? The thing we haven't mentioned is their offensive line is non-existent at this point. It's going to be a – I just feel this is going to be a long day for Tom Brady. I, I think there's guys that still have – hold a bit of a grudge. Just it's – it's been two years, but they're still still upset, still not happy. And they better have bought stock in whatever tablets Tom Brady breaks because there's going to be quite a few more this week, I think. Because I don't think the – I'm not going to say we're going to – we may not be able to put up a crazy amount of points. So I'm going say, to say 27, which and I say crazy, I'm not going to put up a crazy amount of points. Like 27 is still a lot of points. But I'll say it's 27 to 14. Because Tom Brady is still Tom Brady. He's still good. I'm not going to say he's not. But that offensive line, specifically losing your center and your starting guard – Chris Jones should have a heyday, and if he doesn't come back to atone for what he did in this game by just saying, "You know what, Tom Brady, I'm not going to say a word to you. I'm just going to let you know I'm there all day. I'm going to be very, very disappointed." So I will stick with my three interceptions. That's going to be it. One until it happens. That's just my like it's locked in. and I can't change it. My secondary because I have to have a secondary now because the three interceptions are probably going to be there all year and I'm going to be boring say six sacks
1: Woo. it's gonna be a ryan Fitzmagic magic type day last
2: yeah.
0: last week sam predicted 35 12 Chiefs victory the three picks and then travis kelsey was gonna have 150 yards receiving but when yeah to. i don't even know what he ended up he with. had uh 58 <laughs> only 100 off you're a third of the way there and you said 27 14 for a final this week 27 right, okay.
1: 14 sam you had me excited because i was like okay is sam's bold prediction well first you had me this Sam's bold prediction is going to be that Tom Brady will break at least one tablet. Oh, wait, wait. Is Sam's bold prediction going to be that Chris Jones is not going to mouth anything to Tom Brady? I was like, because I have never seen a game where Chris Jones hasn't gotten on in Tom Brady's face.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I was like, we're seeing good. Baldwin? Those are good. I didn't think of those. I was thinking purely stats. I wasn't thinking, but the, the tablet one's pretty good. <laughs> well we I, if you were gonna go that
1: I was gonna make you choose an exact number and be like three. Do we wanna over over-under it? We'll do an over-under for the group. Yeah, yeah. Like the over-under is one and a half, right? Because yeah one is obvious. No, one and a half's a good good over-under. You're good. saying it's gotta be two if you're gonna say he's gonna break a tablet.
0: All right. Let me get my final and bold prediction and then we'll we'll get we'll go back around one more time and finish with the over-under. Uh, I am not as confident that they're going to score a lot of points. Them, I mean the Chiefs. I'm going to say this one's a, a tough cookie, and it's going to be 21. I do think that they will pull it out, but I think it'll be uh, uh, a tough one. I think it'll be 21 to 16. They come away with a W, but it'll be a grind. My old prediction last week was Nick Bolton was going to have Two forced fumbles. Uh, he had two sacks. So I had the right guy, wrong stat. Um, this week, I'm going to say Jalen Watson uh, picks off uh, Tom Brady, and that is what causes one of the tablets to be broken. So does that mean um, you're over? I I will take I will take the under. I'm going to say that that's the one. I'm going to say that's the one. I don't think there'll be more than that. I think Tom will keep himself composed. Uh, Sam, what about you? Over, under, one and a half broken tablets.
2: I'm just going to go over. I just want Tom Brady to go out in a blaze of, I don't give an, you know what, trying to refrain, keep this a (laughs) family-friendly podcast. I'm not doing great at it recently. But uh, do either of you think this is not Tom Brady's last year? Is there any possibility that he plays another year?
0: If he hates his family as much as I think he does, I wouldn't put it past him to come crawling
1: back on a walker. That's a good point. is gonna be my answer too. That's, he that's, seems to not want to go
2: home. That's, that's it's like, listen,
1: listen. This it's is. Very, I just saw.
2: I looked up. Uh, I was looking up. The uh, I typed in Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and the first story is Tom Brady takes his kids to Miami before the hurricane. It's just like, did he leave them? There? <laughs> <laughs>
1: He gave him a nice open mouth kiss and said, good luck. <laughs> um, but I'm,
2: if this is Tom's last year, I think he's just going to go out in a blaze of, you know, screw all of you. And he's going to break minimum two tablets this game.
1: I'm also taking the ender. I think it's one tablet. He breaks one tablet after furious George does his beating the chest over the top of him. All right, everybody,
0: that's going to do it for us tonight. We really appreciate you sticking with us each and every week. Hopefully, this next week, we will have a win to talk about. Until then, you all stay safe out there, and we will talk to you next week.